Yeah, where's it coming from? Let's find out. Welcome to the Six Degrees of John Keel podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Barbara Fisher. With me tonight is Miguel Romero. He is a freelance artist, a writer, a UFO historian, and a graphic designer. Hello, Miguel. Hello, Barbara. Thank you for having me. I've been excited. Like, finally, I made it to Six Degrees of John Keel. <laughs> You make it sound like it's it's a big thing. Is it? Yeah, it is to me. It is to all, all, all right. my friends that have already been here. Like I was feeling left out. Not all right. All right. Well, see, I was I was nervous to ask you, but you have done something super cool. You and your friends, you have started work on a UFO ufological tarot deck which combines the history of ufos and ufologists mm -hmm. and tarot mm -hmm. and that's cool that is <laughs> so wonderfully cool so talk about whose idea this was and mm -hmm. and how it came about well thank you first of all thank you you know we're, we're very excited about it we're, this is something that has been uh brewing for several years actually uh I don't even remember when uh, Greg and and our little UFO, you know, private group started discussing this. And the thing is, you know, like uh, several years ago, Greg Bishop, who is one of my best friends, not not only in the field, one of my best friends, period, one of my mentors, one of the people I respect the most in in the UFO world. Uh, he asked me to join in into this little, he wanted to have this kind of like uh, private salons, you know, with like-minded people. And it's not because we're, we were supposed to discuss, you know, secret things or someone, you know, had leaked some UFO video and nobody could know or we were going to talk to a whistleblower. Nothing like that. You know, Greg's mindset, and I share it, I share that mindset with him, is that ufology works better if it's done within small groups, no matter what it is you you set your mind on, you know, if it is to uh, uh, study a case, uh, interview a witness, uh, you know, study something, or in this case, we, you know, first we were obviously uh, uh, gossiping and hanging out and, and telling jokes whatever you know becoming a, a a fun a fun group a fun activity to have and then greg proposed uh you know some kind of like definite something something defined to do with our time like uh, for example he, one of the things he wanted to try out if i if i'm not mistaken was the exquisite corpse exercise and for people that they don't know, 
the exquisite corpse is like uh, use come up with something whether maybe it's a, the verse of a poem or maybe it is the the some doodle that you make and you send it to the the another person in your group and that person can like the idea is they will add something to it add, add another verse add another piece to the image and then when, once they're done they send it to another person and another person and another person and the end result of this is very cool because it's obviously something that none of them by themselves would have come up with it's something that very loose very creative is very liberating of the right side of the brain and this is something that greg and all of us are very mindful of of bringing a right uh, brain approach to ufology because with ufology it's always so analytical so left-sided so no 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 we have to analyze the data you know like you know just the facts man and 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 like collecting samples and 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 you know arch archiving our photos and and all of that and that's all well and good but we also felt that if we could have some kind of like right brain artistic approach to ufology maybe we could also unlock some things about the phenomenon that at least it will it will be useful for us you know maybe not mm -hmm. for the rest of the world but it will be useful for us so that's one of the things that we did and then uh we did the, another project uh, that uh, greg doesn't like to talk about he he has mentioned it uh, once 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 or twice we did this thing called the disruptor cards uh there are you know cards that are meant to have some messages that will help you if you are a, a, a creative person like a writer and you are suffering from a block you look into those cards and it will you know maybe spring some idea that you could follow in order to you know get out of that uh, rut you know so that's some some other project that we eventually did and then Greg mentioned how he had always had this fantasy of having a tarot deck that was based on the people of ufology. Yeah, and when he said that, everybody said like, "Wow, that is the coolest thing ever!" Especially for me, I think that he even mentioned it to me on on a previous private conversation we had, and it was cool. But at the same time, you were like, uh-oh, I'm like the only people who can draw in this group. So that means they're going to ask me to do this. Oh, I don't know if I can do it. So it was kind of like uh, intimidating. But at the same time, it was a very tantalizing because, as you say, well, I'm a, I guess I'm a writer. I, I like, I've been blogging for sites like The Daily Grail and Mysterious Universe. Uh, places like that for oh, Jesus, I don't know, maybe 13 years, something like that, you know. Uh, and when you are in the in 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 this field, wacky field of ufology, sooner or later people ask you, "Hey, Miguel, we're at RPJ. Where are you going to write your own book?" And it's almost like a rite of passage, right? You know, you you cannot call yourself a ufologist if you haven't have you know your name on a cover of a you know 
some uh, lame uh, softcover book that maybe you self-publish somewhere, or you know, or maybe you have you were lucky enough to get a contract from you know, Anomalist or uh, Simon and Schuster, whatever. But once you have your name on a cover of a proper book, bingo, you are a ufologist. You know, nobody can say otherwise. You can ask or demand that you they put the title below your name. If you get interviewed for TV or a documentary, you are a ufologist. And it, it, it kind of became like annoying. Like people said, you you need to write your own book. You, you sooner or later, you, you're going to have to do it. And I always told them, look, guys, I will only agree to write a book if I have something actually meaningful and semi-original to say about the UFO phenomena. And that sounds, you know, people say, well, you know, that, that should be easy enough. You know, the UFO phenomenon is a mystery. Nobody has solved it. Yeah, but guess what? Once you actually think about something about UFOs that you think nobody has said or thought of before, you open a 30-year-old, you know, pulpy, out-of-print book written by, I don't know, Jenny Randles or Jack LaLea, John Keel. And those people in the 70s, in the 60s, they thought the same thing that you thought it was original. So nobody has invented anything in the, in the UFO field for at least, you know, I guess since John Keel wrote uh, The Eighth Tower or something. Yeah, you know, yeah. So with that... With that perspective, I felt, okay, so I guess I'll, I'll, I'll only write, uh, you know, small essays, like the one that I uh, contributed to for uh, UFOs reframing the debate, or maybe an introduction for the, like, the one that I gave to Mike Cleland's uh, book, the 10th anniversary of his blog, Hidden Experience, and that's it. And also, but then I, I also started to think, okay, what about my other skills? Like, okay, I, I know I can draw, you know, I, I can do caricatures, whatever. I, I did the cover for uh, Greg Bishop's It Defies Language, which was my first book cover. And he also said, hey, what about, what, what if you also like put illustrations in a chapter? And I say, okay, great. It will be great because I was very um, influenced and inspired by Mike Cleland, who did the same for Max Tonis's, uh, you know, posthumous book, uh, the crypto terrestrials, and I thought Mike is—he's uh, another person I deeply admire, not only as a you know experiencer and a thinker of ufology, uh, but also as an artist. You know, he's a very very accomplished artist. And I said, okay, cool, I will do that. And then I started to get uh, more notoriety with that, and started to get commissions, you know, for creating portraits and and, and caricatures of people, illustrations. And that started to get bigger and bigger. And I said, okay, maybe I can combine this, my passion for ufology, my, you know, semi-proficiency for writing about ufology, and also this other right-handed thing. And I can combine them, and maybe I can do something like a, like a graphic novel, you know? And I even told, you know, someone like Mike, hey, I've been thinking about maybe doing a graphic novel. And he said, well, <clears throat> be advised that is a lot of work for just one person, you know? So, you know, if you're doing it all by yourself, it's going to be a lot, of, you know, even like two or three times what it will take you to write a book, you know, without any kind of, you know, mm -hmm. so I say, okay, well, that sounds, uh, you know, intimidating even more than writing the book. So 
let's go back to that salon session when Greg said, hey, what about this idea, ufology tarot? I say, okay, well, maybe that is something that I can do, but it will be almost like a graphic novel without mm -hmm. X balloons. And it's going into the history of ufology and it, it will be easier and quicker than doing the graphic novel thing. Mm -hmm. I say, okay, well, let's try it out. And, 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 and I told the guys, look, I'm going to do one. I'm going to do the first one. And if I'm not convinced I can have the skill, the chops of the capacity to do it, then you will have to find someone else to, you know, do it for you. So that's why we came up with the first one, which was the magician, Jacques Valle. Everybody, everybody, uh, the moment that uh, Greg said, who who should be the magician? And I said, Jacques Valle, almost unanimous. Yep, yep. As soon, as soon as Susan told me, mm -hmm. I said, she said the first one that he did was the mage, and she said, "End it." And I went, "It's Jacques, Jacques Valle, right?" Yeah, <laughs> so exactly. everybody, exactly. everybody agrees mm -hmm. on that. Everybody, mm -hmm. everybody. Yeah. So the other thing that we thought of is, okay, we're we're going to base ourselves in the. Uh, I always forget the name. Uh, right. Uh, the writer wait Pamela Coleman Smith. Thank you. Tarot. Always. For, I don't know why I always forget the name. So we looked into the symbology and we started to think, okay, we're, we're going to like replace these things that are in the, in, the, in the magician's table. And what are the things that our magician, Jacques Vallée, should have? Let's say, well, you know, he obviously should have things that uh, are symbols or references to his rich life, not only as a UFO investigator, but also as an astronomer, uh, also as a computer scientist, like for people who don't know, if you are listening to this conversation right now, mm -hmm. is partly thanks to Mr. Valle's contribution because he helped build the ARPANET, which was like mm -hmm. the precursor to our modern internet. So every time you open your email or get spam, for better or for worse, you could thank or curse Jacques Valle for that. <laughs> so thinking about, thinking about that, and also the fact that he was so involved with... Um, the people working on SRI, on the Stargate mm -hmm. uh, uh, psychic spy program. You know, he was friends with Harold Puthoff. He was friends with Russell Tarr. He was, he was a very good friend of Ingo Swan. In fact, uh, Ingo uh, taught him the protocols, you know, that he came up with in order to train the people in the, I don't know if you call it an art or a science or something in between, the discipline, techniques of maybe. yeah, the discipline of the craft of remote viewing. Uh, we think okay, so let's have to let's go with that. And by then, I had also been deeply immersed in the in reading his forbidden science journals, which are to me right now my favorite UFO books ever. I love I love uh, from volume one to volume four, not only because of the things that you learn, uh, almost like the backstory of ufology, yep. you know, what yep. happened, you know, behind the curtain with all these. You're uh, the only other person I know who's read all four volumes. Mm -hmm. Exactly. <laughs> so. I, I, I can't get enough of it. But because also Valet is such a great chronicler of his era. Yes. You know? He mentions yes. uh, uh, Giacomo Casanova, you know, mm -hmm. someone he admires because he manages to capture like the essence of his era. 
that obviously not for us in the 21st century, that's the only way we can get a glimpse of how it was to be to be living in Europe in the, the 18th century, you know. Mm -hmm. And I feel it's the same with with Jack. You know, he had uh, such a unique uh, vantage point of viewing America in the 1960s also returning to france in, in 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 the late 1960s when when the you know summer um revolution of 1968 right. happened you know he was there in in paris seeing the students you know uh clashing with the police he returns to the united states and he starts to get you know uh in contact with all these people uh within the cia and, and the government. Also, he 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 was a good friend of uh, Heineck. He, he became mm -hmm. his mentor. So you get all of that, and you really begin to to pay attention of how ufology as a field came to be. You know. Mm -hmm. So that, I wanted to honor that, and and I remember reading something in in, in one of the the books in which he shows that he has such an appreciation not only for alchemy but also with the ideas of uh rosicrucianism you know this yep. uh, philosophy and in fact something that he uh, also shared with his mentor Heineck. so i said okay i need to find a way to come up with all this symbology and mm -hmm. try to combine it together in order to encode the secret history and to leave it there for the cards and to to make it almost almost like a game or a puzzle to be solved for the people who will see each card. That's awesome. That's so, that's mm -hmm. see that's that is the essence of tarot anyway. Mm -hmm. Because the symbols work with your subconscious mind to mm -hmm. tell a story. And so um, you're taking the, the symbols that are used in the Pamela Coleman Smith Rider Waite deck, of course, are from the Western magical tradition mm -hmm. and the the mystery tradition and Judeo-Christian tradition is in there. You know, all of this stuff is in there. So you're taking a different set of symbols mm -hmm. and you're encoding them into this amazing art piece that is that's a huge undertaking. I, I admire you greatly um, because that is so much work, but <laughs> you are taking all of those little bits and pieces that are some, some of my favorite bits of, like you said, Jacques Vallée's work mm -hmm. where he's talking about the, the background stuff, mm -hmm. the stuff that's behind the scenes, mm -hmm. the little tidbits and hints that he leaves through that narrative. Mm -hmm. And you're, you're putting it in the deck. Yeah. And that is amazing. Yeah. And that's exactly what we also plan to do with each and every one of the of the cards. Like, let's go with the second one that I did after, you know, I decided, okay, you know, actually, I think that uh, this this could be done, you know, let's, let's go with the second one. And that was the Emperor, you know. And also that mm -hmm. was like, you know, the moment that Greg said, you know, the Emperor has to be Heineck. And it was like, mm -hmm. yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, because he was the emperor of ufology. You know, he was the man who mm -hmm. coined the term "close encounters of the third kind." You know, who was working yep. for uh, 
the Air Force Project Blue Book and then, you know, left it and, and, and founded his own uh, groups. The man who, for better or for worse, also brought the term uh, swamp gas to your apology. <laughs> a poor man, he's, he's been dead all this time and he's still never lived it down, yeah, the swamp exactly. gas. Yeah. So that's but that's what, okay. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's a meme now. It's, it's mm -hmm. part of the, the whole history. Yeah. And that's the thing that we also, you know, wanted to, to, to show. I say, you know, not only, it's not like we're trying to make fun of the, of the, of the people that we're going to put on the cars, you know, far from it, you know, not even the people that we don't really have a, uh, a good opinion on them, you know, like the people who will be portraying the devil, which we can discuss, you know, maybe or hint to who will be later. But these are the these are the parts of ufology, the, the history of ufology, you know, like, okay, the swamp gas, and that's that's one we thought, okay, what, what if we put uh, Heineck, like in, in front of a, not a throne, but a good, honest old uh, desk chair from the 1950s, like the one mm -hmm. that he will have in his, uh, you know, in his office at uh, Northwestern University, or maybe in in in, in uh, O'Hare, you know, and the, no, no O'Hare, but uh, the the base, the Air Force base, where they have Project Blue Book. I don't remember the name. Right, Pat. Right, Pat. Exactly. So let's put him uh, sitting on that. Maybe I can think of a concrete slab that is like protruding from this like uh, river in Missouri, mm -hmm. and, and, and we can put some kind of like will of wisp or swamp gas coming out of it, you know, almost like, uh, and you don't know what they are, you know, yeah, it could be swamp gas or it could be something more interesting, you know, that's, let's, let's leave it ambiguous, let's leave it to, to, the, to the viewer to decide, and when we decide, okay, what are we going to put at his, like, staff, uh, and we thought, well, you know, he was always carrying his pipe, you know, so mm -hmm. this is his. This is our emperor's staff, the pipe. And what about the orb? Uh, and you know, after some thinking, I said, well, you know, he all he was also deeply involved in the in the investigation regarding the Socorro sighting of Loni Zamora, and that particular object that was sighted was egg shaped. So let's make it some kind of like oblong instead of a perfect sphere, and let's put the symbol that supposedly was engraved uh, or or on the fuselage of this object and and actually maybe some people will say well wait a minute that's not the actual symbol you know that uh, that was on the craft because the air force lied or they asked Lonnie Samora that they put a different symbol with one that looks almost like a uh, like a arrow pointing up something like that and we thought about it and said, well, okay, yeah, but for better or for worse, this is the symbol that was part of ufology's history. So this is the symbol that should be there, you know, instead of the other one that supposedly was the real one. So these are kind of the things that we're deciding. And, and also, I've read uh, the book, The Close Encounters uh, Man by Mark O'Connell. Great book, mm -hmm. highly recommended. Really gave me a... Uh, uh, a glimpse of who Heineck was as a, as a person, no, not just as a, this UFO personality we, we talk about. The idea that he was born when the Halley Comet mm -hmm. came to Earth, and he also actually died mm -hmm. in, in 1986 when the, the comet returned. So we say, okay, you know, we need to put, you know, Halley's Comet, yep. you know, there. Yep. It has to be there. You know, yeah. I, that, I, yeah. 
that's a heck of a sign and a portent for a birth and a death, mm-hmm. especially for an astronomer mm-hmm. and a ufologist. Right. So this kind of the decisions that we, we are, are are using uh, in order to uh, very carefully and very slowly build the let's say the lore behind each card. You know, it's, it's each card takes us hours and hours and hours of discussions of like uh, juggling different ideas, pitching them, and say, hey, what do you think? You know, who should be you know the card in in the lovers. The lovers was also easy, you know, for the beginning. Yeah. And, be, and this is because Greg, uh, like like I said, he was the originator of the idea. He had been thinking about this for years and years. And he actually had a list of, of potential people he wanted to think about uh, putting on the cars. And he, in his list, he had put the, uh, in the lovers, Betty and Barney Hill. And we all said, yeah, you know, the perfect. Yeah. We couldn't think of a better, better uh, couple to symbolize the you know Adam maybe and Eve uh, in in the in, t- in the tarot card, and what's nice about it is like above Adam and Eve you have an angel and they say okay so it's perfect you know I can put like the leader of the of their alien captors as the angel you know angel mm-hmm. means envoy anyway you know or, or or messenger so that's when we started to think about okay so let's go with the, this other symbology and started to read into 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 the lives of these people and say, oh, well, Betty and Barney were uh, members of the Unitarian Church. Oh, what's the symbol of the Unitarian Church? It's like, oh, it was like a flame. Oh, a flame. Yeah. Yep. yeah. On the tree uh, behind Adam, which is the symbol there's of flames. The, the tree, there's flames. Okay. Let's put, let's put the, the, the symbol of the Unitarian Church behind Barney, you know? And, and what else? You know, at first we thought, well, maybe we could put. Uh, I know something. Some someone say, well, maybe we could put a gun in the hand of Barney because he was carrying a gun uh, during the, the the incident. But we thought about it and uh, said, you know what? I don't want to do go that way. Maybe we should just put him a pair of binoculars, which is the thing that he used in order to mm-hmm. craft. And that's when he freaked out. Uh, he called to Betty and said, they're going to capture us. And that's when they they fled the scene. And that's when. The rest, whatever whatever it is that happened, happened. Uh, so these kind of things, Greg insisted we need to put the Indian head of the mountain that is near mm-hmm. the location where they were captured. We need to put there there. And actually it no longer exists anymore. So yeah, we, I, the old man fell off. Exactly. So finding a good photo of how it looked back then and trying to, you know, like putting it almost like a collage. This the, pre- the preliminary work in when you're doing a dr- digital illustration sometimes is like a collage, like you copy-paste images that you're going to use as references uh, as much as possible so you don't have to, because I don't have the luxury, obviously, of, of ha- having a model in front of me and pose, you know. Uh, and by the way, uh, I actually had to ask one of my nephews to pose for me for the magician card <laughs> because he I needed someone who could give me the good reference pose of, of holding. Uh, I told him to hold a, a, what is a cardboard uh, uh, plant holder, you know, which would be, mm-hmm. you know, the, the reference for the telescope. And we actually managed to find in my father's office one of those old diskettes you know, that he could hold. So I asked him, okay, you hold him like this, 
you know, and I took the picture and that's what I use as my, as my reference for the, the magician. And that's what I do. You know, I, I try to grab images from the internet. Uh, sometimes they don't, they, they have to be adjusted. Sometimes you have to combine them with other things. You have to manipulate them. And that's the, that's just the, the preliminary work. And then you have to do a sketch and then you have to ink it. And then because of the, the style that I decided to use, I have to do this cross hatching. It is almost like uh, one of those engravings that I wanted to copy. Uh, I, I thought initially that it was going to be easier doing that than doing something like a like a painting, you know, like mm -hmm. a proper illustration with more volume and brushstrokes and whatever. And I said, no, let's let's go with something like it's going to be a mix between old engravings and also uh, modern comic books because mm -hmm. it will be easier. He clumsily, naively mm -hmm. said three mm -hmm. years ago. And, and mm -hmm. so that's what we're doing, though. No? <laughs> yeah, I I understand the the digital collage. Mm -hmm. That's that's how I do a lot of my episode illustration. Is I do actual physical collage, old school, with images, cutting them out with little tiny scissors, mm -hmm. and gluing them down, and manipulating them, and you know taking pieces from this image and that one, and gluing it down. My husband says, you know, if you just stop being a big goof you could just do it on the, the computer and he has a master's in digital art so he's like right. you know you could do it on the computer it's so yeah. much easier and i'm like yeah whatever um but yeah it's the same basic principle it's just yours is much cleaner and yeah. neater and, and, and you don't get yeah. crap all over your hands well each, each artist is comfortable with different tools right you know right now mm -hmm. actually uh like obviously i i have a, a background i don't have a background proper in art i studied uh industrial design in college back in the 90s you know so they teach you other tools you know they they teach you to use markers and, and color pencils and you know um these mechanical pens which we would use with rulers and things yeah and some yeah. of some of that stuff i liked and some of the stuff i hated because i was so messy so i was kept, kept having ink stains all over all over my drafts plans and and then when the computer came you know autocad that was like a godsend to me like i jumped in in it like uh you know like it was a, a pool you know on on summer on the spring break you know and Never look back. <laughs> I, I became very proficient with that, and and also came proficient with uh, you know computer rendering tools like uh, 3D Studio Max during architectural yeah. renderings, and I became obsessed with that. With trying to capture what is called as photorealism. You know, the goal is mm -hmm. to make a digital uh, image of uh, maybe it's a building or a house or an interior inside a house, you know, like the kitchen or, or, or the master bedroom, and do it in such a way that people will think it's an actual photograph. You know, that's, that's and back in the early 2000s, that wasn't easy, you know, because only- No, no, it the, wasn't. Yeah, only the big studios could afford the really powerful computers that could do the millions of cal calculations needed to, to recreate how the light bounces from one mm -hmm. object to the other and the textures and all the little things and refractions if it if it is a transparent material like glass and i be, uh, i became i could stay 
Sometimes I will stay until two or three in the morning in, in the office, just messing with each variable inside the rendering to see if it will work. And then I will send, you know, the render and it will stay, the computer will stay working on it for a week, <laughs> you know, yeah. to make one single image. And that's the thing yeah. that, I, that I used to do. And then uh, came um, this thing with, with tablets that could you, you could grab a stylus and you could use it almost like a pen was yeah i found it was really cool and said i want to go into that i acquired my first uh, android tablet a samsung which had um, this app uh sketchbook yeah uh, that came you know pre-installed and it was very intuitive you know at first obviously you you do a lot of mistakes you start to doodle do simple things and start you to to get a hang on it and that's actually the, the the program which I'm still using, the app which I'm still using to do these uh, these illustrations. Even though I have upgraded and I'm using a a more robust laptop and a more uh, a bigger, a more robust uh, uh, graphic tablet with a better stylus uh, for my other professional work. But I still keep using, you know, an, uh, a Samsung tablet with a stylus. And um, to me, it's very comfortable, but I understand, you know, what people say, I, they prefer traditional tools. I actually want to go back to doing more traditional stuff using like uh, proper brushes and doing ink washes and using nibs and using India ink. And I, I bought a set of brushes for my birthday, you know, in October, I, I got them and they're still on use. I'm, I'm, I'm almost like terrified of them because I feel, okay, I need to do something, but what if I mess it up in the middle of it? And I'm gonna, I'm gonna ruin it. And I'm gonna, I feel, I'm gonna feel, gonna feel so bad. There's no undo button in the paper <laughs> if I, if I do something wrong. <laughs> they make more, they make more paper. I know. There's I more know. paper in the world. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. I <laughs> and there's, I, there's, yeah. there's always more ink. And, and I know, but I do know you. Th this conversation you're having here, talking about it's messy. Mm -hmm. That's my husband and I. Yeah, exactly. he, he he took up a little bit of acrylic painting mm -hmm. a while ago, and he hates it because <laughs> it gets on his hands, it gets yeah. on his clothes. Yeah. It, it's you know, and whereas, and then there's me. Um, I I used to have clothes that I wore just for painting, and. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the amount of those clothes has grown and grown to the point where I just, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go out of the house with paint flex on me. I don't care. Yeah, you know, I just, it's, it's advertising mm -hmm. it, that I just don't care anymore. Mm -hmm. um, but I do understand. I, I do completely. And to me, um, trying to use a stylus and a, and a tablet is, is just as foreign as probably picking up a brush and worrying about making a mess is yeah. for you. Cause it feels so odd to me. Right. I just think that there's something different about certain people that the digital stuff is some people just pick it up and run. Yeah. And then others of us, we just pick it up and go, Oh, Oh, I don't know. That's unnatural. Yeah. I, I it feels weird. Yeah. And, and what's more ironic is that the better you get into the digital digital stuff, the more obsessed you become with trying to give your digital synthetic illustrations a more organic look, something that looks like actual uh, brush strokes, something that looks mm -hmm. like actual paint, oil paint flowing and, and, and mixing with the other paint and, you know, 
people get, I, I see these and I also notice it in myself that you want to have that roughness, that, uh, you know, organic imperfection into your perfect synthetic world. It's just, yeah, it is ironic, you know, that you want to go there, but you also want to have the, the idea, oh, I messed it up. Oh, undo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The first time he he took to painting, he was like, you know, how do you do this uh, this swirl thing that you do? And I was like, oh, you load your brush with, you know, a succession of colors, mm -hmm. uh, starting with the the lighter one or the darker one, whichever you want, and then going and you know, and then you you do single quick strokes. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't mush it around a lot. You you just do a stroke and you leave it. And he's like, okay. And so he's he's doing it, and he's like, oh, I messed it up. And he he, he was he was instinctively looking for the undo button. Like yeah, he, yeah, he was I trying know. to find it. It was over <laughs> there somewhere. I know. And I was like, it's not messed up. You just have to just. It's it's like Bob Ross. There are no mistakes. <laughs> exactly. Just happy accidents. Happy accidents. Just, just keep going. Yeah. Just keep going. I kept yeah. I kept watching when I was a kid. I, I kept watching Bob Ross. Probably one of the reasons why I, I I wanted to have a career in, if not art, you know, at least in design, you know. And the guy made it look so easy. Oh my God, he's only grabbing this brush and in in two minutes he made a tree. You know what? <laughs> How? Yeah. I know, right? I know. Um, there's uh a really great video that it's a video series about tribal people from Southeast Asia uh, in Pakistan, uh, Northern India, that kind of area, Bangladesh. And they try out things from the West. And one of the things, one of my favorite things was they had them watch Bob Ross and then paint with Bob Ross mm -hmm. and they made amazing paintings. Right. It was, it was, it was so cool. Mm -hmm. I was just like, it was so cool. And they said, you know, he is obviously such a nice man. And it was, it was awesome. Yeah, it's one of yeah. my favorite little things I found on the internet recently. Oh, I need to so, watch it. Yeah. Yeah, you should. It's, it's fun. I'll, I'll send you a link to Thank it. Thank you. Um, so how did you choose the colors that you're going to use? You used a very limited palette. Yeah. And, and I like that, but I'm curious to know how you came about with, with which colors you chose. Right, thank you. Yeah, yeah. before I, I settled on, on the style that I wanted to use for for the cards, because that is also another thing, you know, that the fact that I, I wasn't properly trained in an art school, I never actually, like, acquired a, a recognizable style or a, a, a very defined way to do things you know because the designer has to you know be able to be flexible enough to do things the way that the client wants it you know right once it okay i want to do you to do an illustration like bob ross sure no problem and now now i want you to do an illustration like picasso sure no problem you know so so when i was doing like my research or you know with using pinterest or whatever to see what other kind of like tarot decks there were out there in the market what I found is that the ones that had the less amount of color, the more limited the palette, it, they felt more sophisticated and refined to me. And I said, I, I want to do that, you know, maybe, and maybe if we're lucky enough, we could have a very fancy print 
with color separation in which with in which the, each uh, uh, ink will be separated with i don't know silk screen or whatever uh and maybe that's why we also will need have to need to use a very limited color palette also the fact that i'm a uh, i'm a bit of bit of bit of a manga fan you know i love i love manga uh right now i'm, I'm obsessed with this uh, uh series called a bright uh, a bright story by this uh uh artist Kaoromori, i think it's her name it's uh, it's also highly recommended and even if you haven't seen it you know you know that manga is also very limited colors it's almost everything is in grayscale right because mm -hmm. of the limitations they have in order to print a massive number of pulp uh publications with very cheap paper so obviously color was out of the question so the artists with that they were in the need to use like only grayscale but also using half tone and other techniques in order to to give more values more, more tonal values to their pieces also using you know obviously they are masters of india ink you know calligraphists so they know how to use the nibs in order to uh, have cross hatching and texture to everything they want to make so i said okay let's go with some kind of like grayscale uh man a, a mix between manga and western comics uh here in mexico for example when i was a kid there was this uh spanish version called of almost like comics but they were mm -hmm. uh, comic comic versions of uh classic uh works of literature that was uh, printed in the 1970s by pendulum press and this this uh, company they hired these artists from the philippines who were almost like self-taught one of them the best one this one among them was a guy named nestor redondo and he also he actually became began his career as an architect but then as jobs became scarce you know in philippines he switched to to doing this sort of stuff and he was so good about it that he he eventually you know uh, uh also told his brother to come and, and work for him with doing these uh uh co comic book renditions of uh lord jim dracula uh ivanhoe robinson crusoe so my mom when i was uh, in grade school he, he, she will get this for me on the newsstands and i will love it you know i will so I, I would go through the pages so much that I eventually, you know, destroyed the copies, you know, and the, and, and and the pages will go missing, you know. Uh, and I said, okay, I'm, I'm going to go with that style too. So at first I said, okay, let's go obviously black and white, typical, like almost like ink work, uh, almost also using half tone, grayscale tones like in manga, and maybe just to highlight a few important things inside each card i will use like red you know like in the in the in the tie of jacques Vallée or in the symbol of the orb that that heineck is holding and i thought I'm, I'm just gonna use black white gray and red and that's it 
you know and at first uh, greg and the rest were not sure and say well you know, I think it's a little bit limiting maybe you could use more colors and i say nope that's is this is this is what i want to do and david metcalf said but why why don't you try to using you know like blue you know for for the sky in in, in the valet card you know and i was like ah, i don't know and then just to you know just to show him you know what it would look like i did it i kind of liked it and i say okay well okay so it's gonna be black white gray uh red and this blue and that's it you know and 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 sometimes it's troublesome you know sometimes i really need to be figure out how to mix things or how to work with things in order to like uh make each element distinctive that they stand mm -hmm. out but uh you know without using the same colors over and over again right know? so it, it's it's a challenge but i guess i like challenge or maybe i'm a masochist <laughs> like <laughs> like all artists yeah yeah it reminds me a little bit of of the rules that they had in medieval manuscripts mm -hmm. and that illuminations that you know you had four colors mm -hmm. you had blue you had green you mm -hmm. had yellow or gold and you had red mm -hmm. and you could only have two colors touch mm. so like red and green could touch each other but you couldn't have blue in there mm. so, oh and if you have them like if you have red and green touch then it has those have to touch all over that page and the next one so yeah. that it all matches. Yeah. And I had a friend who uh, he, he does medieval recreation and he, he does beautiful scrolls and he does not work and all the, you know, Celtic beasts all twined around each other. Oh, and wow. he said, yeah, he does great stuff. And he's like, Hey, so you like to paint? Why don't you, why don't you help me paint these? And I'm like, sure. And so he told me all these rules, you mm -hmm. know, and you can you can't have white touch this, and you can't. And I'm like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> dude, right. you know, I'm still painting it with acrylic. You know, I'm yeah. we're not making egg tempera here. Yeah, yeah you know, exactly. I'm not grinding the pigments, <laughs> and this isn't sheepskin. Yeah. So why? And <laughs> he was like, "All right, never mind. I'll do it." I was like, "Thank you." I mean, because it was starting to make me crazy after. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's crazy because rules. But it is similar. Yeah, rules can be. Yeah, of course, rules can be limiting. You know, once you have a set of rules, of thou shall not, you know, make green touch with the white or or, or whatever. Yeah, but, exactly. But rules can also be liberating for an mm -hmm. artist in a very strange way. Like the worst thing. You can say to an artist or even a writer, they say, hey, you know, I need you to come up with something for this magazine. You know, okay, an article. Okay, what about? Eh, doesn't matter. Whatever you want. Like, oh, the same with that illustration, you know? If it's yeah. just like open-ended theme and then you're confronting that white paper and it is terrifying. It's like, okay, where do I even begin? But if they mm -hmm. tell you, no, it has to be an illustration that, like, I don't know, I want you to do an illustration about the Pascagoula, 
UFO case and I want you to uh, add, you know, the guys, Calvin Parker and, and the other one. Like, oh, okay, so I, I just, I'm limiting myself in the scope, but at the same time, it allows me to be more focused in where I want right. to go. You know, so right. yeah, rules. It gives gives you a foundation exactly in your head. Exactly, I like a base in which I can. Okay, yeah. Imagine a, a world of complete freedom in which you are floating in the air, and okay, yeah, you know, there, there's no constraints, but I can move. You know, the yeah. moment you yeah. put a plane in which you, okay, now I can put my feet on this plane and I can walk. And I kept move forward. Yes, I I lost freedom, but I managed to gain uh, a little bit more volition. And maybe that's what happens with with this level of existence. You know, maybe that's the reason why souls incarnate in this uh, crappy world of ours. You know, that is so full of limitations and rules. But maybe it's better than the option of being completely free, but at the same time be completely um. Un, unable to do anything right right yeah uh, art directors who don't know what they want oh. are the worst oh, tell me absolutely about it. the yes, worst yes, when yes. you're when you're doing cover art or something yeah and they they start well i it's it's the issue is all about cat magic so do something magical with cats yeah 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 yeah, I have one but, of those, and also have yeah. people like I don't know Paul Kimball. You know, one of is also a good friend, and he's a very good pa patron of mine. And the great thing about Paul, he's a he's a film director. He knows exactly what he wants and says, Miguel, I want you to portray my wife as the captain of the Enterprise, and I want her holding Winnie Pooh on on <laughs> you know like on the bridge of the Enterprise, and she's gonna go. Be looking this direction, and Pooh is gonna have like the 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 the, the ears of of Spock. Doable? You say sure, Paul. <laughs> you know, and I know <laughs> that if I show you something, you'll you know you will pester me with a thousand different corrections. I want, but I'm happy with it because I know where he wants me to go. Right. It's, uh, it's better that, like you said, you know, the the clients I said. Yeah, I want something like, uh, uh, you know, like a pirate. You know, like, okay, like a pirate. I'm going to draw you a pirate. No, but I want something that is crazier, like, uh, like uh, you know, like a palm tree upside down. Okay, I'm going to put the palm tree. Yeah, but no, also something that is kind of like, I don't know, whimsical, like, a, you know, a skull. Okay, I'm going to skull. I said, no, no, no. But it's like, oh, please make up. You'll yeah, yeah. Already. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, there there was there was a very famous incident in our household with the cat magic. Mm -hmm. Zach was doing cover art for a magazine and she said, I want something magical with a cat, and he did a beautiful bust. Mm -hmm. She was she was not she didn't have the humanoid form with the cat head. She was a full-on cat, but she had the Egyptian collar and the earring and she was black with gold and the, the collar was gold and blue and you know, beautiful and all the gems. And she was like, he did the background as the sandstone. It was so pretty. Mm. And she's like, no, I don't, <laughs> I don't. And he was just like, well, what do you want? Well, I, I, I want a cat. I'm like, well, we have a cat. Yeah. And, and 
I he ended up making a tortoise shell long haired cat walking toward the viewer mm. with its tail up in the air and it was fluffy. Okay. Yeah. I was just we were both he and I were both like lady, you know. Okay. You know. Yeah. You know, he even did a, a, a cat as a wizard with a hat and everything and, and she's like, no, no. Yeah, yeah. So. But anyway, like getting back to the, the tarot cards, uh with the with the way they were working, obviously like I have final say. You know, like right. uh, like uh, I'm the dungeon master. I, I decide where we go with this. Uh, even though that obviously is after my my uh, the team and I we come up with some kind of like road roadmap mm-hmm. where where we want to go, you know. And I start, you know, working with this and sometimes I'll come up with, you know, some kind of, you know, cro- crossroads. Oh, what should I do here? You know, should I put this thing or should I do this other thing? And you know, sometimes I, I finish it, I show them to them, and they'll make suggestions, you know, like Greg, you know, once we saw in, in the fool's card that I had finished uh witless cabin, witless cabin in the background. I said, Oh, it looks great, but why don't you put some kind of like a glow and an owl flying above it? I was like, oh, great, I'm finished with this, you know. <laughs> and after I have my, my tantrum, you know, and I, you know, throw things and I, and I cry on, on, on over my desk, I return to it and I start working on it and I see, oh, you know what? Greg was right. This, it is better with the owl and the, and, and the, and the, and the glow. So it's kind of those, those decisions, right? It's coming back and forth that they show them the, the, the progress. They make suggestions. Sometimes there are very, very good suggestions. And I say, ah, great. You know, that's a great, you know, thing that I, that I'm going to do. And sometimes like, eh, I don't think so, you know, like, okay, let's move on. But it's, it's very much a cooperative uh, and then right. like, okay, yeah, like I'm like, I don't know, lead guitar or the quarterback, whatever, but without, without Susan and David and Josh and Greg, this project will have never become a reality. I think it's great that you're doing it with all of this input from, it's not just one or two people, mm-hmm. you know, helping you. It's, it's this cooperative group, um, all of whom have background with art or symbolism, yeah. mythology, magic. I mean, it's it's really it's better than you know A.E. Waite and and Pamela Coleman Smith. That's just two. Mm-hmm. So now you've got this this larger group, and so you have this very dynamic set of ideas. But at the same time, it sounds like you guys. You know, like when you said, you know, who's going to be the mage and everybody was like, Valet, mm-hmm. you're on the same wavelength already because you've been working together and you've been friends together yeah. for a long time. Yeah. And know? also and still, our, our, that I, helps. Yeah. And also our, our ideas regarding ufology are very, very similar. You know, yeah. none of us will consider us to be nuts and bolters, you know, people who nah. perceive the UFO phenomenon merely as extraterrestrial visitors coming to this planet in a structured metal craft 
if if we were of that kind of mindset, we would have never, never thought of this this project in, in the first place. No. So we come from this kind of idea, of like yeah, we we all have arrived to kind of like a similar conclusion that the UFO phenomenon has to. It, 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 that is not the answer. Maybe it's part of the answer. Who can say? But it definitely has. It's beyond that. It's beyond just ET pestering us occasionally. Uh, we have all read the works of Valet, the works of uh, Kiel, you know, uh, Jenny Randall's. I've been Mexican and been, uh, you know, introduced to the work of Spanish authors. I have read the, the books of Juan Jose Benitez, who is one of my idols. And I told the guys, I I want to put J.J. Uh, Benitez in one of the cars. I don't know where, I'm, and maybe it will be in the minor arcana, but I will put J.J. Benitez and maybe Antonio Rivera, and maybe there's a guy in Mexico, Pedro Ferriz, who is like the, pa the father of Mexican ufology, and I want to put them there, even though nobody will say, huh, who's Pedro who? Uh, uh, because that's also important that we honor people from outside American ufology, mm -hmm. that it's not just yes. the US. Uh, so we have, but, but yeah, we have different backgrounds. Like Susan is, uh, she's a witch, you know, like, like you. She, she, she practices magical arts and she reads the tarot, you know, and, and, and she knows about all the symbology. So every time that like, we come, okay, that, let's talk about the moon. Who should be in the moon? And the first thing is like, uh, let's let's each grab the, the car from the, from Google and let's all look at it on, the, on our respective screens. Okay, first thing, and then start to read into the symbology. Or or, or Susan will tell, well, the moon is about you know illusion, the transcending deception, and all this and all that. And I think, ah, so Greg, who is like the experts in American, in, in ufology, will say, well, you know, this this person or this other person could be, you know, a good candidate for, for the moon. And that's it. That's another thing that we have, like, three, four different candidates for it, from each card, and we keep mm -hmm. juggling at them. Okay, you know, we, we put, like, John Kill in, in set card, you know, whatever card. It, it will be good because of this and this and this and this. But also there's this and this and this against it. We just like uh, put it on a scale, you know, and say, you know, maybe if we put another person in the card and and we also read like each symbology, watch every, everything in the card is supposed to represent. And that like brainstorms idea like, oh, well, you know, uh, for example, I don't know, the hermit card, you know, she, she, he's holding a lamp. Well, maybe we can make the lamp look like a UFO or something, you know, mm -hmm. as an example. And, and this is the kind of thing that we've been doing for, you know, the last three years. Like the first card that we that, that I made, the magician, I see the, the, the signature that I included and it's from 2019. You know, so that's yeah. So that's you've been thing. working on it. Yeah, and and the problem is that it, it was taking forever. Like the yeah. the, the other card between doing commissions and and working for the Daily Grail and you know having you know a life, it took me like six months or something to complete it. 
And yeah. Greg said, well, great. If, uh, at this pace, we'll be over in like 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll be all, uh, you know, gray and, and, and loosen the tooth. And that's when we decided you, look, there, there has to be another way, another, another route that we could explore in order to make this a reality. And for that to happen, I, the artist, needed to devote myself 100% to the project without interruptions, without distractions, without any worries that, oh, but I need to, you know, do this other cover, otherwise I won't be able to pay the bills this month. And, you know, that's what someone suggested, okay, maybe we can do some kind of like crowdfunding campaign, you know? And at first it was something like very fussy, like, yeah, we'll do the campaign and we'll start to see how much will it cost to print the cars and something. But there was a point in which I grew kind of impatient and I said to the team, look, this needs to happen, you know, and if it's going to mm -hmm. happen, it needs to happen yesterday. Otherwise, we'll never, ever do it. It will be just a what-if project. It will be that this pastime we indulge uh, every time we have a salon. But it will never become a reality, you know? And, and if, if that happens, you know, I may be walking away, you know, because I'll have to find, maybe I'll have to find another job in order to, you know, sustain myself. And that's when Greg said, okay, okay, uh, we... We just need to reach a certain number of completed cards in order to show the people that this project is actually feasible. And we decide, okay, let's go with four cards. You know, once Miguel reaches and finishes the fourth card, which was strength, that has Androffel as the strength figure that is like shouting, shutting the mouth of these. Uh, Lion, which has the, the face of uh, Philip Klass, the, the over skeptic. <laughs> and Greg mentioned, oh, why don't you make uh, Klass look like the scurdy lion? The cowardly lion. The cowardly lion of the Wizard of Oz. And I said, okay. <laughs> I saw that and died laughing. I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. yeah. Just, uh, let's go with that. And that, that was like the last card I completed. And the moment I said, okay, I completed this. Now... Guys, it's up to you to check into the, the, the crowdfunding platforms, start running, crunching the numbers, see what needs to be done. And they told me, okay, you know, you as an artist, what will you need in order to sustain yourself in the amount of time you will, you will need to complete the, the, the cars? And there's also the, the other thing that I say, okay, for this project, we we will devote ourselves only on the major arcana, which are 22 cards. Right. You know, and I, and I say, okay, so if I do each card in X amount of weeks, that means that I will need X amount of months. And I told Greg, you know, I will need X amount of money to, you know, live working on this. And I say, okay. And he also run the numbers of the printing costs, shipping costs, and all of that. And say, okay, we 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 need to raise, uh, you know, like twelve thousand dollars. And because he is a a number, uh, he's into discordianism and numerology. And Robert and Wilson, they say, let's go with twelve thousand three hundred. One, two, three. You know, say sure. Let's go with that. And there were a, a few setbacks, like. Uh, 
Greg had, had family, uh, personal problems. The other the other guys were also, you know, having to do things like Josh with his gigs and his family, Susan, uh, whatever. And then we keep stalling and stalling until finally said, okay, let's say we will launch the campaign on Halloween. You know, that, that will be the, the, the date and there's no turning back, no matter what. And we made it happen. We announced it to the world on, on, on Halloween. I was, I think it was like 2 p.m. 2 p.m. Yep. Something like that. When, when we finally launched uh, the video that Greg had uh, created for us, in which we, we also used uh, this, the music by Massimo, uh, mm -hmm. Susan's husband, who is a, 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 an electronic artist. And he uh, allowed us to use one of the one of the songs that I picked. That I said, "Yeah, this this is the one that I like. That kind of like has the flavor of 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 the theme of the project." And and Greg combined that with aerial pictures and also uh, images of the cards, photos of the people. And we asked Susan to write the, read a little text that Greg prepared, and also we decided, well, we need to like show this to other people so they will give us quotes. I reached out to Greg Newkirk and John Altenny, Michael M. Hughes, and Dana Newkirk said, can you please, you know, give us a little blurb? And during this time, Barbara, I was still very hesitant. I was still felt, you know, this project is a pipe, a, a pipe dream. You know, this will never, only will be like a handful of people who will be interested in this. You know, because it's too niche, it's, it's too out there, it's too bizarre. But then the moment that I showed it, the, the, the cards that I had to John and Greg, and they said, oh, my God, this is the best thing ever. I said, okay, well, maybe this project will not be a complete failure. Uh, and Greg also managed to reach Jacques, Jacques Vallée and Whitley Striever, and they gave us also two magnific magnificent quotes that we could include, and that gave us like some some kind of like prestige, like aha, Jacques Vallée is behind this project, you know. Uh, so we went with it, and to our surprise, that very day, we managed to get like thirty percent of, of the of the goal, you know, just like that, and we were like, wow. And we actually managed to get to our goal in, in a week, which is totally insane. It's like, you know, we didn't expect that kind of response. We actually thought, well, maybe we could have some kind of like angel investors that will come to our rescue if we run short of a couple of thousand dollars or, or you know, a couple of hundred. Because with Kickstarter, the thing is that if you don't reach yeah. the goal, you get nada. Then you don't get any of the money. You get yeah. nothing of the money and, and, and the project doesn't come doesn't come to happen but luckily that is not the case at all now the case is uh whether we go to stretch goals and say okay now we want to go for i don't know well we already go we already surpassed the fifteen thousand dollars so you know maybe we, we say well let's go to, i don't know 20. what kind of stretch we could go what kind of bonuses or or no other pledges or other things we could offer to the backers, you know, that could be feasible. Like, I mean, obviously we're not going to do another, we're not going to edit another book, which is 
part of the part of the campaign not only the not only the the deck itself but also Josh is in charge of uh, editing a book that will explain all of our symbology you know behind the book uh, obviously showing the illustrations in 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 high quality in a bigger scale than the than the cards itself and it we want them to make a make it a, a nice coffee table type book that people could could have and there's that's one of the things that we're we're including we're also giving away uh high quality uh large prints 11 by 17 inches so we people will be able to see all the little details that i'm including like uh you know putting uh in the back of a spider that is on a spider web in the magician card and i decided to put in the in the in the belly of the, the spider the the letters arpa you know as a reference to the <laughs> arpa net you know and also around the, the spider web there is these uh uh crosses with 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 roses you know uh, right you know, an allusion to rosacrucianism which is like i said something that jacques Vallée is deeply interested in he's not a rosacrucian per se but he, like he's kind of like a rosacrucian at heart so these mm -hmm. kind of little things that maybe will not be able to be perceived uh in the cards because they are too little you know the cards are 2.75 or four 4.75 inches in, in height right even though we want to print them in uh, as big a resolution as possible uh but maybe there's something that only people have a magnifying glass will be able to see but that's why you know if you, if you don't want to like strain your eyes go get the larger print you know of, of your favorite card and that's the kind of the things that we're coming up what else we could give we uh, we discussed it uh, just this week you know like can we pull this off? Will be will it be advisable? Because we also don't want to be, appear as greedy, you know, like oh, you know, these guys right. want to these guys want to milk this project as much as possible. Well, it's not like that, but you know, on the other hand, you know, these kind of opportunities, at least for me, have happened like once or twice in my lifetime. You know, right? So I, I feel that this is it, like for for. For once, fortune is favoring us or favoring me. So if maybe this is a moment to be a bit a bit bolder and you know, say, "Okay, let's go and 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 go with with a bigger stretch and see if we can pull it off." You know, and that's and that's the thing that we are currently studying. And maybe by next week, the time that uh, this podcast is uh, is broadcast. Maybe by then the campaign will have more uh, pledges or, or, or another stretch goal. It's not definitive, but maybe something that we, we could actually uh, pull off. That is excellent. So I have to ask, mm -hmm. um, are you doing uh, the, the Tarot in the Minor Arcana has four suits, cups, pentacles, swords, and wands, or staves, mm. staves, are you going to do that sort of thing or are you just going to have each card as its own thing? Each card will have, that's the, the dream. Each card will have its own, its own thing. At first, nice. Greg said, well, look, Miguel, because yeah, you're the only artist, but maybe we can help you by, you know, you make uh, the sign of the, of the, you know, like you said, a cup. 
that mm -hmm. we can copy paste and put in, in and, and with a design program into the cards you know mm -hmm. so you won't have to you won't have you wouldn't have to draw each and single one of the cards by yourself and i told him i don't want to do that it feels cheap it, it feels like a cheap uh, escape and also a missed opportunity to keep telling the story of ufology to to keep uh going on with this this is kind of like a love letter to ufology you know i mean for better or for worse i've been obsessed with ufos since I, I, as long as I, I i can remember you know i'm in love with ufos you know they're they're my they were also my gateway drug to <laughs> as a matter of speaking <laughs> to other things you know to to studying things like uh consciousness you know right uh, what happens with 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 us after we die you know life after death reincarnation and also things like cryptozoology ghosts uh synchronicities and you know i've seen myself and i think all of us see or see ourselves as 14s people mm -hmm. who you know with ufology ufologists they don't want to discuss things outside of their realm it's almost like they are eating uh, and they don't want their ufological piece touching, you know, the cryptozoology carrots. Like, no, no, no. I want them <laughs> in this kind of plate, which everything is separate, in which I will bring up my fork and I will, you know, <laughs> touch one pea, put it in my mouth, um, num, 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 and then go with the carrot. Yeah. Oh, um, there's, oh, there's a, a, a goat asparagus. I'll take that. But no. <laughs> I prefer the the fortians too. Everything is mixed together. Every, like saying, yeah, all of these is related. You know, all of these has a relationship with each other. Like a a, a light that is seen above a military base. Oh, that's a UFO. But if the same light is seen above a cemetery. Well, maybe that's a ghost. And if it's seen mm -hmm. inside a house, well, that's definitely a ghost. It's the same phenomenon, <laughs> given a different interpretation. And and people who study the light inside the house, they don't want to talk to pe the people studying the light above the military base. And to me, that is absolutely crazy. I I I I don't I don't understand that because I feel the solution will will happen or we, we will reach it or we'll be we will be close to it once we go back we take uh the the, the broader picture and we see how mm, you know everything is connected all of this is connected how well obviously the the, the easiest solution is our own consciousness makes it all mm -hmm. connected you know we are all a sentient conscious beings we're perceiving the this phenomena you know, and we are giving it these interpretations. And obviously, if if there is not a consciousness that is experiencing this phenomena, maybe this, the phenomena will not wouldn't exist in the first place. You know, the the almost like a, the the Zen uh, riddle of if there's a a tree that falls on the forest and no one is there to hear it, you know, did it happen? The same. You know, if there is a UFO flying above the city and no one uh, looks above to watch it. Did the UFO exist or not? You know, so uh, mm -hmm. so that's 
that's one of the reasons why I said no, no, no. Let's continue with this project and let's go with the with the minor the minor arcana and let's put people or or cases from ufology into each there. And also, obviously, there's the problem: how do we translate the symbols of the cups, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. the swords? What do you make? What will be like a ufological sword like maybe it's kind of like a ray yeah, which maybe it's a ray coming out of the ufo right. that is like hitting someone you know like travis walton you know travis walton will be you know in the right bible source or whatever or the cop <laughs> and, and told the guys you know and this is kind of like a you know, something that never been discussed outside of group but maybe the cup will be something like the adamski flying saucer which is one of my favorite uh, Flying saucer uh, types ever, you know, because it is archetypal. It's on, yeah, because it's almost like a, like a like a bell, and it is so mm-hmm. you know round, and it is so quirky, especially especially with you com- you compare it with the with other uh, designs of, of 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 UFOs, and now people are obsessed with the Tic Tacs, you know, which to me are one of yeah. the lamest forms of of UFO ever. It's so. It's so uninspiring, you know, uh, seeing like, oh, I'm going to have this amazing experience and it's going to look like this rounded cylinder, uh, you know, like, no, give me more. Give me one of those old time flying saucers. I want it to be cooler. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Can't it be cooler? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to have the, the, the Spielberg experience with the lights and, and, and the thing that moves right. and swirls and... and, and and mm-hmm. rotates on its on its axis. Yeah, way way cooler than mm-hmm. the tic tac. So that's the idea. I was like, couldn't it have been a a colored tic tac like the bright green or the orange? It had to be white. Why? Yeah, that, that that's uh, <laughs> and obviously when this is they they, they saw it uh, in the middle of the day. You know what happens if you see these things uh, during the night? You know, mm-hmm. They illuminate differently and. And but getting back to your question, yeah, we definitely want to to do the minor arcana and and to tell a different story. Uh, going with the well, maybe not the similar detail because there are obviously more cards, but the both in the same time type of uh, passion to each of them mm-hmm. to tell the story properly of 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 ufology in in the tarot as as archetypes of 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 that will un- 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 unlock some part of the unconscious to the people that decide to, you know, play with them, you know, uh, work with them, or maybe if you if you want to have them as a as a work of art itself, that's fine. That's one of the reasons that I what I I'm obsessing with with making as the best the best artwork that I can. You know, just if someone just that is cursory interested in, uf- in ufology and say, oh, look, you know, I want to have that, you know, just because, not because, right. not because they're interested in tarot. And maybe if I'm lucky, if we're lucky, because of it, they will start to be interested in the tarot. And maybe people who are interested in the tarot and is interested in magical practices, but they think that UFOs are just people obsessed with uh element 115 and propulsion and metamaterials and all that jazz, they will see, oh, there's another aspect to ufology. 
that is way cooler than that. And that the, 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 there have been people like Jenny Randalls and and uh, and Jack Vallée and John Keel and and Salvador Freixedo and all these you know great geniuses who have contributed to the field and they have gone beyond the idea of structured metal craft and maybe one of those tarot users will grab one of those books you know and so if we are able to like make those bridges between those two fields i feel that we have fulfilled this mission that we have been entrusted with because honestly when i began to 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 work with this and once i began to have the assurance that I could do it. I, you know, maybe it sounds too arrogant on my part, but I really felt that someone was entrusting me with this mission to create this mm -hmm. and to and to bring it help to bring it into the world. You know, because I I don't see artists I don't see artists as creators per se. You know, I I see artists as channels. You know, they are, mm -hmm. we, are, we are channelers and we are helping ideas come from other realms and inhabit into 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 this world. Be that as a tarot deck, be that as a, I don't know, a chair. You know, I was like a, a furniture designer, so I have a, a deep love for chairs or 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 a painting or a, or a building or something. You know, we we are helping these things manifest into our reality and obviously the better the better the artist the the you know the most uh, the better is the art that will you know inhabit this world you know so i think that is our our, our purpose in life yeah i i agree i agree very very much with that um i like the back design too oh thank you i like the design of the eye mm -hmm. let's talk about that mm-hmm why is there an eye? It's an, because, yes, uh, yeah, it's something that uh, it, it's very striking. Mm -hmm, thank you. That, like, when I started with the first uh, card, once I found, had finished the, the, the artwork, and I said, Well, uh, now I want to design a proper layout for my car, something that is, you know, cool, distinctive. Um, and I took inspiration from uh, the geometry of crop circles for that thing, you know, that I saw these, you know, there are these, they're very simple, but at the same time, very intricate, these designs, you know, that very simple elements, you know, circles within circles, intersecting in other circles uh, and going so, so on and so forth. And I say, okay, let's go with that. That will look, it will be again a mix between something like classic, but also like very modern. Because I mean, that's that to me is the UFO phenomenon. It is the mixture of you know many opposites. You know, one of them is modernity and our, our ideas about the future, but also you know our our ideas and our dreams about the past. You know, all coming together at the same right. time. So I grabbed that and started to play around with with one of my design programs, you know, and started to put together these things and I started to also mix, you know, black, red things. And so I, I came up with something and being me, I came up with like seven different <laughs> cho 
different uh, alternatives that I show the guys. I say, what do you think of this? Oh, great. Oh, made a, a, a change. What do you think of this? Yeah, also great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one. you guys are such help. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, they, 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 they are. They are. They, sometimes they say, oh, what if you put, you know, something like that? Oh, okay. Until I was satisfied, I say, okay, I like this. And I went with that, and then we finished the fourth uh, card, and Greg said, okay, we're about to launch, but we need something for the back. And I said, okay. So I'm going to grab something like based on what I already designed on the front. And, and if you see above the, each uh, of the text of the titles of the card, there is this thing like uh, uh, this, which, which is designed from, from the Vesica Pisces, which is one of the most uh, uh, ancient and sacred types of uh, sacred geometry, you know, out there. And I decided, you know, I, I couldn't even tell you why I decided that in the, in the center of that, and I will put it a, 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 a red circle and say, oh, it looks like an eye. Well, we, you know, somehow uh, you, inter you, you intersect two, two circles and you make this uh, silhouette that is very much mm -hmm. like an eye. And I say, I'm going to grab that and I'm just going to expand upon it and I'm going to mix colors and I make, like I said, different versions. And I decided, okay, I, I, I want to make it like almost like a negative of what I already have. If my cars are mostly white, or at least on the borders are white, I'm going to go with black. So, so it's it's very striking and very you know uh, the opposite. And I made a few bar uh, variations, and I show it to them um, to to guys. Say, okay, which one do you like the most? And all unanimously picked the one that it's in the in the final design. You know, I say, okay, yeah, good choice. And yeah, with the red eye there, because I don't know, I really don't know why it, it was so easy compared to other designs coming up with that uh, with that uh, concept. Uh, it kind of like speaks to how we are trying to unlock uh, something. I don't want to say the third eye in people, but yeah, it's something like that. You know, like un yeah. unlocking something of the inner inner mind's eye. You know, when people are look looking to these. Uh, into these scars and start working with them. I like that. Um, one of one of my first uh, paintings from uh, when I started painting again about seven years ago uh, was a depiction of the first sort of solid UFO I ever saw, mm. and. I didn't, it wasn't shaped like an eye and it didn't have an eye on it when I saw it, mm. but I depicted it in the painting as an eye, mm. a big silver eye with a gold iris floating because the thing that bothered me besides the fact that my mother was looking up there and didn't see it mm. and um, in fact saw a red bird and there was no bird and um other than that was, I was like, did it see me mm -hmm. when I was looking at it? Mm -hmm. did, and then it bothered me mm -hmm. because I was 12. So then it was like, does it always see me? What, what was seeing me? What is that? Why is that? You know, so I like the symbol of the eye. It's, it's our eye. It's the eye that is 
part of the UFO itself. Right, right. That, that all is it alive? Yeah, that, does it, it it sees you? You see it? What exactly. does that mean? Yeah, that that old phrase from Nietzsche, right? You look into the void long enough, mm-hmm. and the the void looks back. And the void looks back. Yeah, and I, I I even think there's something that I read in Communion by Whitley Strieber. Maybe it was Transformation. Maybe it, it was back when. Uh, in transformation, he was making these experiments of going all alone in the middle of the night to the same spot where the first time that, uh, or at least the, the, the first time that he, he remembered that he had been taken right. by these entities, you know. And I remember reading these books, and, and I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not uh, embarrassed to say that when I read these books, and I read, was already in high school. I couldn't sleep without the light on for at least like six months. Yep. You know? And my my sisters like uh, mocked me and I said, "You you're a big boy now. What are you doing? You know, being scared of the, of the dark." I said, "You will be too. You you read these books, you know." Yep. And and I think that it never leaves you. You know that. No, it doesn't. That thing of thinking. Yeah. Is there something watching? me back watching me in the middle of the night like every time especially now in the months of november and december when in mexico city we managed to finally see stars you know back in the Mm -hmm. back in the year you know because of the horrible pollution we have but uh, in december the, the, the skies clear up a bit more we get to see stars and the moon and yeah every time that i finish one of these interviews and I, uh, you know, close my laptop and, and I have to walk from this office space that I have to this, uh, like, garden into the house. I always look look up, you know, just in case, just because you never know. And I never have so far that uh, feeling of thinking, oh, somebody's watching me and, you know, I need to go back. But, but I still do, you know, I still searching to see if there will be some light that will move funny that's already actually happened uh, uh, to me uh, a few times uh, you know seeing nothing dramatic but some light that move in such an uncharacteristic you know non linear way that i say whoa you know and it lasts lasted like 2 seconds or less than less than a second and it looked happening Right after I had I had returned from the first Paradigm Symposium in, in 2012, and I was like firing up with this after this chance of meeting Micah Hanks and all these guys, and and you know Ben Ben and Aaron from Mysterious Universe, who were you know uh, I was working for them at the time, and the the, the first opportunity of meeting people whom I had only interacted with just through the computer. You know, so I was really, really firing up, and I was also feeling very nostalgic. You know, I saying, "Man, when, when will we? When will I have the chance to see these guys again?" You know, I'm living in Mexico. My economical means and all that. You know, traveling abroad is not that easy. So I was listening to to one of uh, Mysterious Universe podcasts at that moment when I was uh, putting my my luggage away. Uh, in this like chef that the, the, that I had, and I all of a sudden I looked uh, for a moment, and I saw this light moving in in like almost like a firefly or something. But there are no fireflies in Mexico City, 
you know and then i saw some kind of like a flash coming from the shed which was still uh the light was still thrown off i was like it's very very dim flash happening at the moment and it really felt like uh something meaningful it was like oh my god it wasn't like the ufo spielberg mothership i've always dreamed of but it was a little bit of yeah this is this is your path boy you know you mm-hmm. you, you, you need you really need to to keep going through this route you know no matter no matter how difficult it becomes at the time and it does you know everybody who's listening to this will know that it really is sometimes a very difficult narrow path to follow it is sometimes merciless uh sometimes it really will wreck your life if not you if you're not mm-hmm. careful marriages will break uh mm-hmm. jobs will be lost uh uh fortunes will be drained <laughs> uh nobody i mean i can count with maybe two three people some the, the, those who are able to actually make a good living out of ufology and and those people they're doing things that i don't want to do like you know going to these horrible uh conferences and these documentaries talking about all the alien races of the galactic federation Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, no so i'm following my thing uh and sometimes it really feels like uh it, it is it is not something that you chose but it was something that was chosen for you you know before mm-hmm. you even had a a chance to decide you know so so that's why i feel that this project is so important this is this is going to be my life now that the project has been fully backed and and, and it's going to be a reality this is going to be my life from here until september or so of 2022 when i finally finish the art and then i move on to to other stuff that i need to do for the project like design a few things for the book design the prints help uh, out with with you know marketing whatever shipping probably going to spend a few days with greg doing nothing but uh, signing the, the the boxes signing the cards and 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 shipping the stuff to the post office and 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 maybe designing other things for the if we if we actually manage to get other other stretch goals other pledges uh and i couldn't be happier you know i mean yeah it's going to be a lot of work and it's going to be times when i will hate it and will be utterly drained or i feel that i'm a failure i mean uh, you know uh, imposter syndrome is something that it never leaves you you know you no, feel, it doesn't. Yeah, i'm a fraud <laughs> you know i will i cannot do this you know i don't i i, I don't have the, the know-how it never leaves you but uh, somehow you 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 do it anyway you know and uh, yeah and like i say it will not be as perfect as i envision it in my in my in my head but it will be something that will be satisfy satisfy anyone but me who will see it it's, it's almost like the movie the aviator you know with with remember mm-hmm. with uh yeah. the name of this guy uh, uh i the actor oh 
uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, you know, and you see Leonardo DiCaprio playing uh, Howard Hughes, and they are in the, at the premiere of his movie Hell's Angels, you know, and everybody is, you know, marveled by this wonderful movie that uh, everybody is happy, everybody is, you know, amazed, but you see the face of the guy and he's like, he's miserable because he's seen all these little mistakes that only mm -hmm. he can see. And then yep. the, movie, the movie finishes and I say, well, we need to go out to the studio and we need to, we need to fix it. And we need to re-record a few things. And it's like, what are you talking about? It's, it's, it's good. It's, it's done. You did a masterpiece or you did a, a great thing. And sometimes I, I feel the same, you know, I, I uh, but the, Nevertheless, I've, uh, I have full confidence because I have the support of, of my friends that we will manage to do something really, really magical that will not only be a good, uh, a nice work of art, a nice collector's item, it will be something that the people will, will, will treasure for years and years and years to come. They will maybe some of them will manage to use it. And I mean, I don't guarantee that if you use the cards that that ufo will appear on your house but at the same time i kind of thinking that it will happen <laughs> yeah i was wondering about that because i i fully intend to use my deck so you know because i i don't i do collect tarot cards and i do have some decks that i just look at because they're pretty mm -hmm. but most of the time i i still use the tarot decks so mm -hmm. i i was trying to figure out you know what what kind of different ways to use it, you know, use it for visualization, mm -hmm. use it to get ideas for stories mm -hmm. or, you know, I mean, there's just so many ways you can use it. And it, it's just going to be fun because the way that one of the ways I tell I, I, I do tarot readings is I lay the cards out and they tell a story. Mm -hmm. the The images tell a story and that's how, that's how I've taught tarot to people who've never touched a card before. I just, you know, lay out, tell them to lay out three cards and then tell me the story that's in those cards. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm just curious as to what the stories are going to be. Right. That come out of that, because it's going to be different. It's not going to be the same sort of feeling yeah. that you get with most run-of-the-mill tarot decks. Right. And we also are anticipating that uh, some cards, a few of them at least, will be connected with with, with other cards mm -hmm. because of, uh, not only because of that in tarot, there is kind of like a weird linkage between a few between some of the cards, mm -hmm. but also because, there is. because these people in ufology, well, they were also connected, you know. They they they, they had an impact mm -hmm. on on each other's lives, and not some, not 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 always for the better. Like uh, uh, I don't know, mm -hmm. uh, Jacques Vallée and and and, and Heineck. Yeah, they were good friends. They they were into a mentor and protege situation. But if you read Forbidden Forbidden uh, Science, and you see how Vallée at times got so frustrated with Heineck. I was mm -hmm. saying, oh, Alan is wasting his time with this doing. Why is he writing an article for Playboy magazine, for God's sake? 
why is he going on these all these tours and these conferences and these television shows when he should be just doing you know the research and studying the phenomenon and and, and doing the science that we need uh there's what that's one example and obviously there's the example of uh, the of the impact of skeptics you know mm-hmm. into in yeah. ufology like we also are going to put skeptics figures not only class but others into the card because they play the role into the yes. history of ufology for better or for worse you know carl sagan uh butting heads with with Heineck on TV and, and, and mocking this idea of, of, of UFOs and how illogical it is to assume that uh, extraterrestrial civilizations would give a, a, a darn about us, you know, if, if they are on the other side of the, of the galaxy. And Heineck being so frustrated because that's not the way that he wanted to talk about UFOs with, with Sagan because he wasn't really convinced that UFOs were ET extraterrestrial visitors than himself. He, he, was, exactly. he was seeing UFOs from a totally different perspective, but he was nevertheless cornered into this tiny, tiny, tiny box by the skeptics, you know, and not only Sagan, but also uh, Donald Menzel, you know, or, mm-hmm. or, or uh, James Randi, you know, the amazing yeah. Randi and, 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 and all, all the nonsense that he uh, spilled from the, the skeptical inquirer. And now, you know, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, who is one of the, the new uh, skeptics. And by the way, you know, I'm sure that people listening to this will be wondering if we are going to portray people like Neil deGrasse Tyson or maybe people like uh, uh, Tom DeLong or Louis Elizondo. And actually, that is not something that we are particularly interested in doing right now because we feel... This is kind of like almost like this is like the rock and roll uh, Hall of Fame, but the UFO version. And to be in the in the Hall of Fame, you at least need to have like I don't know five gold records. You have been like a twenty-year-old career, and yeah, yeah. Alessandro doesn't make the cut, guys. Sorry, Neil deGrasse Tyson no doesn't make the cross the the, the cut. Uh, Bob Lazar, well, maybe he he will make the cut, you know, George Knapp, someone like that. But obviously, it 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 becomes uh, problematic if we add people who are alive, and they yeah. will have a trouble saying, oh, I don't like how these guys are portraying me. And even though they're public figures, and you know, being public figures, you pretty much can do uh, whatever you want, right? You know, like uh, people who are to do political cartoons, they don't need to ask permission to like Donald Trump right. in order to make a caricature. Of I mean, Trump. he thinks you have to ask permission, yeah, exactly. but you don't. But but it's that's his idea. Yeah, but just to say that no, we're we're going with the old school. We're going with the you know the people who really were the founding fathers of of this crazy field of ufology, and that is the people that we want to honor, especially because we feel. All the newcomers in the field, all the young guns, all the people in, in UFO Twitter, they don't have a clue of who was before them, you know, who were doing this, yeah. same, who, were, who, who were playing this game uh, 30, 40 years, you know, before the arrival of the internet. And people who also thought, oh, that in 10 years they will solve this riddle once and for all. And they went to their graves. Never finding the answer. Yeah. And guess what, guys? Yeah. Chances are 
it will happen to you too, you know? Oh, skeptics, they were, you know, oh, right. They right. Have, we were not going to plan to put people in the, you know, in the modern UFO scene. Uh, yeah, uh, the idea that people, the newcomers, uh, they don't know about uh, the people who went before them and oh, you know, yeah. how, how yeah. naive everybody has been, you know, even in the 50s, the things that, oh, yeah, the, the, the UFO enigma will be solved in 10 years. And we're still, you know, 75 years later, we're still here. We don't know what the hell is going on. Yeah. Basically, yeah. that was it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I haven't joined up on uh, UFO Twitter because I think I just keep posting, read a goddamn book. Yeah. Read a book. Yeah. Read. Yeah. Read. Here's my reading list. Yeah. Yes, there's 50 books on it. Yeah, and the only That's book they'll the conservative read. conservative one. Yeah. The only book it's, they'll read is the book that uh, Louis Lozondo will write. You know, once yeah, he gets whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. All right. You have anything else you want to want to say? What else? Uh, well, please, obviously, uh, if you're interested, be in check check the campaign. See. I will. Definitely have links posted. See so. if you want to back it off. If you if you're unable, that's fine. You know, just if you just can spread the word, that will be a lot of help. Like I said, you know, the the, the campaign uh, is a done deal. It, the 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 ufology deck will will become a reality. Now it's just a matter of how uh, generous we can be to the people that backed us up in the in the sense of uh, you know. You know, maybe sort some kind of surprise that they weren't expected, or maybe putting up some other, uh, you know, tiers to the campaign that we can come up with that are feasible to our to our small team. You know, like maybe making the book a little bit nicer. You know, like uh, getting fancier paper, things like that. I don't know. Right. You know, like we're still we're still. We're still working it out, and obviously, also we want to keep the the interest up even after the campaign ends and when we're we are into production. We want to keep regular updates, you know, into the into the development of the cars. You me showing, you know, maybe uh, developing sketches of what 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 we're doing. Also having, you know, maybe short podcasts with the team explaining. What we're planning to do, and maybe taking, you know, uh, I don't say t taking suggestions, but maybe uh, hearing people's opinions of what they think about the cars and what we could explore, you know, because obviously you 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 never know, you know, maybe someone will listen to this and they will think, you know, who could be a great candidate for X card, this person, and maybe it's something that we haven't, uh, you know you haven't thought of before even though we have already a, like i said a, a semi-defined roadmap of what we want to do with with the remaining of the major arcana uh that doesn't mean we can have we we cannot have uh all of a sudden changes you know for the better like for example the death card that is something one of the cards that i i want to do after i finish with the the next one which will be the hermit Mm -hmm. The hermit would, would already have a very very fun idea of what I, what I want to do, and and it's gonna be super super exciting. And I and I hope that people when see it, they say wow, and I say of course of course, this person had to be the hermit in, in ufology. Uh, so 
stay tuned. But the other one that I want to do is Death. And that that is uh, kind of difficult because it has so many things going on and so many personages. And and at first I had an idea of what I wanted to do with, with, with it, you know, taking a, uh, some passage in the history of ufology and say, yeah, this, this works great for the symbology of death. But then I kept thinking and said, no, you know, maybe I can do something else. And then uh, Josh came up with great suggestions, but because of course, if there is someone right now who is an authority <laughs> of how ufology or, or the UFO phenomenon and death cross pollinate each other is, you know, Josh, who yeah. is, is in the, in the, in the process of embarking in this, like Joshua Cochin theory of everything book that is going to come up. Uh, I want to say soon, but it probably is going to be soonish. As soon as uh, Josh finishes with his 700 uh, references and tidying up his uh, manuscript so it doesn't, you know, become like a doorstop. That's <laughs> something that, that kind of worries him. Uh, Last I heard, it was three and a half chapters from done. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm super excited for that. And, see, and of course, when it came time for the death card, like say, Josh, man, <laughs> this is your show. You need to tell me what you need to put in this one, man. And he kind of like gave me a few pointers. Are, like, when I thought about it, I said, oh, my God, it's excellent. And ex he suggested, uh, because that's the thing, you know, the moment that, I, that I'm working one of the cards, I, I start grabbing books to, gra to get ideas. You know, like say, okay, I want to put John Keel in one of the cars. I'm going to grab uh, one of the books by John Keel. I started to, you know, turn turn the chat, the pages and maybe there will be something there that will be perfect to include, that it will, it will be obscure, will be maybe even too inside baseball, but we don't care. And, and it will be something that will be very serendipitously you know, uh, all of a sudden found, you know, when turning the page of, I don't know, the eighth tower or Operation Trojan Horse, because that's that's part of the research, you know. You, you need to get food or, or juice for, for the brain, and then I need to get into what I call the pregnancy stage of the process in which I have all these ideas, but I don't start doing anything, you know. I, I, I'm in a, in a state of not sketching or not just letting the the, the the ideas brew into my to my mind and and coalesce until all of a sudden you know i get i get the picture more defined and i i and i know oh now it's the time to graph the the, the pencil or the stylus in this case and start doing the work you know so so that's why you know that's why it takes so long <laughs> That's good though. That's really good. When you're when you're working with something that has symbolism that's very deep and full of meaning and you're trying to convey it not just from yourself, but you want it to be universal as yes. well so other people can tap into it. So it can't be super super specific, but it has to be somewhat specific. Yes. And of course, because you're dealing with a history of a, a study or a discipline, that means you're also telling a story. So you have all these things mm -hmm. that are mm -hmm. just going to be all mixed up in your head and you have to, you have to, 
as you said, it's pregnancy. You have to let it gestate. It's yeah. got to sit there. Yeah. And you know. Yeah. Do you ever have images come out of dreams? It's a good question. Uh, I don't know. Sometimes are uh, I enter into these uh, states in which the ideas just pop, mm -hmm. you know, like out of out of nowhere, and and when i'm just like like in, in that idle state of like you know I'm, I'm 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 laying on my bed maybe it's in the middle of the night or maybe it's uh especially i guess it's better in the early morning when these ideas when you're still not fully awake and 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 and, and ideas started to 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 pop into the subconscious and then you just obviously you start talking to the guys and then Something like, oh, 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 guys, what if I, you know, what if we use this, right? Or then, or maybe David, you know, maybe David is very loquacious, you know, she's the one kind of like, uh, sometimes he plays the part of the, of the, of the, the gesture during the session and he says something, you know, very hilarious, sometimes very, you know, ridiculous, like he's not really meaning it, but then say, hey, you know what? That's not really that bad of an idea, you know, and I grab it and I, and I, and I play with it. You know, it's 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 so fluid right now. It really is, and and I, I I really don't mind. You know, like sometimes, like I said, with the death card, I already had a very defined idea of what I wanted to do, and then all of a sudden, I say, no, you know what? Uh, let's go with an, an entirely different route that I now feel is gonna you know work so much better because I will be able to uh, make references to more things in the ufology, not just the one thing that I thought it would, you know, be cool right. about the death card, you know, if the same will be with the sun and, and maybe of these uh, cards, I feel will be kind of like hybrids, like not just a reference to one chapter of UFO history, but many, you know, like mm -hmm. uh, not just one case, like, I don't know, Pascagoula, for example, I'm gonna, but maybe we'll end up mis mixing Pascagoula with Fatima, you know, just to give an right. example, you know, something very, uh, very loquacious like that, or maybe like, okay, you know, I need to put children in 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 this card. Maybe I can put the like like I said, the the children in the Fatima case, you know, the three sharp little shepherds, or maybe I can put uh, also another ch child could be Juan Perez. From the documentary right. witness of another world, that's another example of a, of a child witness of, of of in ufology, or maybe even you know I was thinking, oh well, there's also children. Well, there's also Jose Padilla, you know, in this new book uh, Trinity by mm -hmm. Jacques Vallée Polahari. So there's all these all these explorations, and the moment that you read another thing in ufology, uh, another book that you grab by Jenny Randles or 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 by by Timothy Good or or Nick Redfern, you find another cool reference, and you say, you know, why 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 don't we play with this? You know, so it's not really set on stone, but at the same time, it's not really that. Oh yeah, we don't have any idea. You know, we're clueless. No, no, no. We we have we're just adding more like balls into our you know right. ball pool just to play with, and obviously at the end we'll 
okay, we have to make a decision and say, well, let's go with that. You know, I'll say, okay, let's define right. this this set of stone. Maybe this other idea could have worked too, but we have chosen this and we're running with this, you know? Well, and you've got all the minor arcana too. So exactly. you have exactly. all these other ideas that don't get used, you've, you've got, you know, that's a lot of cards yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about it. So you've, I know, right? Yeah, and, and I, I have I, this dream that uh, maybe one day all the cars will be uh, exhibited in some gallery or something. You know? That would be, that would be awesome. I mean, you know, a place where we can have someone like Whitley Striever and Jack, uh, and, and people like you going there and also speaking. Maybe you will, you and, and Susan could be there, and they could actually make readings, you know, and speaking about the tarot. What other people are just admiring the artwork and talking about UFOs and you know we are we're all having a good time and we are having all these you know uh, at the background you know like this good excuse to you know meeting each other and 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 well having a good time you know if, if, if yeah. this it's one of the things that you kind of like go and and have in your head like oh I have this dream that I could you know pull this off and these little projects and sometimes some of those projects don't come to pass you know because that's the way life is but if if it really matters to you sometimes you are stubborn enough to stick with it yeah that's that's what happened with this you know beautiful tarot tarot project which which started as a what if by greg bishop and then he kind of like almost like infected us like a like a zombie you know he, he beat <laughs> us and he we started to saying yeah ballet the magician <laughs> and we went, we went with that and now we want to infect you know basically we want to infect the world <laughs> the zombie apocalypse through tarot cards exactly with ufos mm -hmm. i like it i yeah. like it well thank you for coming and oh, talking with me this you, this was this yeah. was amazing. Yeah. Um, and of course, you're welcome back anytime. Thank because you. Because it was great fun. I am so excited to to you know support this, and I'm excited to see updates. And I just think it's it's a wonderful idea. Mm -hmm. It's it's really 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 good. Thanks so much, Barbara. And yeah, definitely, you will be uh, one of the. You know the, the people that we will be showing the advances you know before anyone else you know just to 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 see how we're going and maybe also you know maybe give us a few pointers you know what you know maybe maybe you should consider these for the card because yeah we have a good good idea but you know we're, we're always you know if we if you get if you if you have the right people you know, giving you, uh, you their opinion, you know, constructive. You know, I'm, I'm not afraid of criticism, you know, as a designer, you know. I've, right. I, I know the difference between uh, good criticism and saying, you know, you need to rework this to make it better, that you know that you actually will make it better, but just people who are trolling with you and say, yeah, that's look like crap, and you're crap, and it doesn't work, you know. So, so, so yeah, I, I were like, you people listening to this, they will notice how excited I am about it. I mean, I, I haven't been able to stop talking about it, and we could probably go with another hour just talking about this. Oh, I know, uh, we but, could. But uh, but it, it will be even better once it's it's 
finalized, you know, and yeah, mm -hmm. I know, I know it's a long road that, I, that I'm choosing to put myself into, but I couldn't be happier about it. And, and, and yeah, I, I'm, I'm just waiting to show it first to, to obviously to my friends in, in the, in the UFO group and then to people like you and then eventually, you know, to the whole world. It'll be exciting. I I really am thrilled for this. And I I had to congratulate Susan for keeping a secret because <laughs> somehow in the out of the ether I picked the idea of I should do tarot card UFO art for my episodes and yeah. and you know she kept her mouth very very shut and so did Greg even though he did say that that painting that one I want that one if that's okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, okay. yeah, Greg. Yeah, Greg. Also, almost Capos kept us under oath and said, you know, this does, this doesn't <laughs> leave the group until it's concrete and it's finalized, and we're and you're ready to release it. Even though he kind of broke the rules himself because he, <laughs> show, he showed it to Jacques Ballet before anyone else. He kind of like <laughs> wanted to see Jacques' opinion, and at first he told us that Jacques wasn't really that. And uh, and enthusiastic about it like he's, he was like uh, i don't know if i want to be you know in a you in a tarot deck but then he showed him he showed him the art and he saw how his expression began to gradually change and, mm -hmm. and, and, a, and, a, and a very very subtle smile began to appear in the in his face and that greg said that that's when he knew that's when he knew that the project what's going to happen, you know, because otherwise if, if, if Jacques had said, nah, this is, you know, this is crap and I don't want it, that's when we would have gone our merry way and doing different different things. But when he saw the expression in Jacques and say, oh, you know, and, and, and Greg told him, and by the way, Jay, Jay Allen Hannick is going to be the emperor. And he got very, very excited about very excited about that. And then we show it to he showed it to Paul Heineck, and J. Allen Heineck's son, and and Greg told us, you know, that because it was still very preliminary, you know, I almost got mad at him. You know, say you don't show this until it's complete. <laughs> I was like Michelangelo, like almost like like uh, throwing rocks to the Pope because he's showing the, the 16 Chapel before <laughs> it's you know finished. But okay, he showed it to Paul, and and Paul said, I don't know, I don't know what this is. But I want it when it's, once it's done. So we have sh he has shown it to these key people, and they show this interest, and everybody said, "Oh my God, yes, this needs to happen." He showed it to he showed it to to Whitley Strieber, and I was very excited about that because I have a, a huge respect for for Whitley. I mean, I know that some people think he thinks they think he's a fraud, or they think he he made he made it all up. You know, I I communion transformation and also the key the book that little book that he wrote they're very important for me that's one of the reasons that i when when we were discussing the cars and i say i want to put a big key in in mm -hmm. full instead of like the thing that the whole right the, the, let's yeah yeah let's put the big key there and i will say yeah <laughs> they laugh and say yeah, okay yeah that's perfect you know and 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 when they sh when Greg showed the the car to to Whitley, he also got you know a, a good vibes from him, and especially because Whitley knows also a lot about tarot, and and yeah, you know that's uh, 
that's when we felt yeah we're on the right track and yeah we definitely wanted to show it to 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 more people you know more of of, of those uh big big conchos in 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 the ufo world especially after you know if if, if we get the, their permission you know if they're still right. alive and we get their permission to 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 be included in the cars that will be great if they don't they get get if we don't get their permission then we'll see you know if we just go go with it you know and and see what happens you know i i, I don't i don't like i said i don't i don't fear that that people will uh, you know accuse us or anything or 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 or, or said take it down I don't, I don't, I don't worry about that. But I, I, I do want people to, you know, if they see they were included, to feel good about it and say, oh, you know, right. that person right. was chosen to be the, I don't know, the empress or the, the high priestess, and maybe that person is still alive, and that person is cool with it. You know, that person got is flattered by it. You know, that that is, right. you know, that will be obviously, you know, a gravy. But if it doesn't happen, well, you know, uh, nevertheless, uh, we we are we are very confident that the right people will appreciate the project. No, I, I think it's I think it's going to be great. I'm excited, mm -hmm. and uh, again, I'm trying to think of different ways to use it to enhance maybe going out and looking for ufos you know mm -hmm. see what happens exactly all right well thank you for being here with me tonight and again you're welcome back anytime and i will put links in the show notes for the uh kickstarter thank you thank you so, so much. people know and probably some links to some other things you mentioned mm -hmm. thank you thank you well, that's all for this week's episode of the Six Degrees of John Keel podcast. If you have any questions or thoughts about the podcast or would like to come and talk about your experiences of the paranormal, you can contact us at 6djk67 at gmail.com. We promise to even answer you, and we are always happy to hear from you. Thank you. Thank you.